Fireman, can you hear me? I can hear you. Cool. I'm yeah. My Bluetooth. I'm just sending you a close invite. Yeah, I'm up. Wild spaces yesterday. Huh? How was your uh, show today? Because I know you kind of rode that wave, hex wave. It was, it was good, constructive. I had uh, Gary and uh, Guy Rags to Riches, Brandon, two of the, uh, I would say, more level-headed people that we spoke with yesterday just to sort of continue the conversation. I mean, listen, I, I'm unconvinced, but uh, I respect their opinion, and I think it's... Uh, pretty damaging in this space when we just wildly accuse everyone of being an idiot or a scammer or a, <laughs> you know, a, uh, whatever the tribalism. So it was good to sort of get to the bottom of some of that. So what's your conclusion? Do you still think Hex is a scam or it's just a project you don't like or doesn't make sense to you? <laughs> I don't, I, I don't throw the word scam around lightly. So, um, you don't, just, you don't, you don't, I would did call, you, I'll not say anything a scam. You don't throw the word scam lightly. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's appropriate to call something a scam unless you have a hell of a lot of proof that someone's literally trying to steal money from people. And I don't, I don't know that that was the case. The, the The bigger question I had for them actually was like, at, let's assume the worst about Richard, which I'm not doing, of course, right? I, I don't like the SEC. I don't like their tactics. So I, I, I remain open-minded. But let's assume that like there's some major criminal case comes out and he's prosecuted on very clear evidence and guilty does that change their community's sort of opinion of him and these guys are kind of on the fence about him anyways but the in the comments it was all like no richard's a martyr he'll save someone you know, something was like, okay. yeah by the way someone did call him a martyr yesterday didn't they now space yeah he did i mean we listen they, they when they when they invested in in pulse or whatever it was called a sacrifice and they're calling him a martyr i mean those terms ring true of certain religious fervor right so um but like i said that that makes us all say listen all these people who follow this thing or follow this guy or you know i think eric wall literally like called them trailer trash or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right i must say uh, guys i was i was i was taken aback by the by the by the hex community i mean i mean it's a cult i've never i mean i i, I was taken aback by how lo- you know, when we started getting into discussions around the fact that it's okay for one person to have the keys and they were comfortable with it, and I was trying to explain to them that it's not okay, and they just yeah, they just had they have so many reasons and excuses for that. By the way, I addressed that today, and and it just it gets sort of danced around, in my opinion. It's coping. Listen, I think everybody's been there, but um, I think it's important to note that there are a huge swath of that community and others who approach these like a cult or religious fervor. And then there's people who are just reasonable, intelligent people who see things differently than us and are investing in these things for financial gain or or a different level of belief. And it's important not to lump all those people together just because they like the same asset. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, before we kick off today's show, I just wanted you guys, I know we were meant to cover Curve yesterday and the drama there the kind of hex took over the show. Um, so maybe we can touch on that briefly. And I think, uh, Ryan, you talked about it in your show, so maybe you can update us what happened yesterday, um, how uh, you know how would it impact the rest of the DeFi ecosystem, and then the latest today. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll address it now. I think it's pretty much the worst is over, or it seems to be over. But for those of you who don't know what happened, Curve, which is a DeFi protocol, and specifically what Curve is very good at, is it's a place where you can exchange stable coin, a stable coin for another stable coin with very low slippage. So it's like if you're holding USDT and you want to buy DAI or USDC, probably the best place to trade that is, is on Curve. Um, now, Curve was hacked, and it was hacked through a vulnerability in the compiler, which uh, I don't want to get too into what that means technically, but the result is that the hacker had 7 million Curve tokens who, by the way, the hacker hasn't started moving those tokens around yet. So that's not where the story ends. Because I mean, if, if the story ended there, it would have been just another DeFi hack and we would have been able to move on. The problem is that the founder of Curve had a loan, a $100 million loan against his Curve token. And there's not much, like, that's a, quite a normal thing and it's actually quite a smart thing. So if you're a founder of a protocol and you believe that your protocol is going to do really, really well, then you don't want to sell your tokens. But at the same time, you do want to, you know, enjoy a good lifestyle and buy things. 
And so what sometimes founders do, and they do it sometimes, they did with shares, and in this case, I've done it with tokens, is the founder took his tokens, used them as collateral, and loaned $100 million. And part of what he bought with $100 million is he bought an $18 million mansion in Australia. Two. 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 Two, two mansions. Two mansions. Anyway, long story short. So you have to have one for the wife and one for the girlfriend, yeah. just in case. Long story short. Long story short. The problem is that as the um, as the price of Curve came down, and the price of Curve came down initially because people were scared that the hacker, first of all, it's not a good look when you get hacked, but second of all, people were scared that the hacker would dump his tokens on the market. And so people got really scared, and that started to take the price of Curve down. Problem is that as the price of Curve went down, the founder's stash nearly got nearly went into nearly got to the levels of being liquidated. So, and the problem with that is that if the founder's stash got liquidated, it doesn't get liquidated slowly, and he can't really phone anyone like like in a centralized transaction because it, because this is a decentralized protocol which just basically implements a liquidation, and so that would have destroyed not only destroyed the price of Curve, but it would have destroyed the price of Aave where you had the biggest loan and Fraxland where you had the second biggest loan. And that could have basically hit the DeFi protocols very, 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 very hard. So what did he do? He started to repay his loan, as much of the loan as he could. And he repaid it by moving all his USDT, all his USDC. He started selling a whole lot of his tokens, including Lido and a whole lot of others. And started to repay the debt, but even that wasn't enough. And even with that repaying of the debt, the problem is that the interest rates kept going higher and higher and higher. I'm not going to get into the reason why the interest rates kept going higher and higher and higher. It's got to do with the pool utilization in these protocols. Um, it suffice to say that the the liquidation price got higher, higher and higher and higher. So he landed up selling a lot of his curve tokens in over the counter transactions to people like Justin Sun. Mucky Big Brother and a lot of other people. And for now, it feels like everything is under control and is nowhere near liquidation. But I would keep my eyes on Curve. And if the price of Curve goes down again, anywhere near the low 50s and maybe late 40s, then there is a possibility that he may get liquidated again. Okay, now what happens if he does get liquidated? Let's just talk about what, what happens if he does get liquidated. It doesn't really affect the protocol in any way. The protocol continues to function as normal but a whole lot of tokens are going to hit the market. And that's going to affect the the, the DeFi protocols that actually lent him money. So the protocols like Aave or Frax, which lent him money, they're going to take a bad debt. So that's kind of like what's going to happen here um, or what could happen here. For now, it seems like it's it's under control. Um, I can't, I mean, I've been watching this all day because I, I, we've got positions in Curve. We've got long positions and short positions in Curve. And... So we have been watching this all day, and for now it looks like everything's under control and, and, and probably going to blow up. That's the story, but isn't there kind of a deeper narrative here about how problematic this is systematically? First of all, these are all handshake deals with people saying, oh, you can't sell it, I'm going to give you this, it'll be locked up. But like these people can violate those deals, right? Uh, non-specific, so somebody could still easily dump this down. I'm not trying to create fear. I don't think he's going to get liquidated. I think that has largely been avoided. But like, did we not learn last time that uh, shit coins from founders are not pristine collateral for loans, even if it's over, uh, oh, you know, even if it's over collateralized? I mean, this look. Is, I mean, I mean, I mean, all that. This is a huge problem. I mean, for one, you know, you want to call it a shit coin, and it's a very, very, very solid exchange. With a very, very strong... Yes, but the coin... I'm not speaking about the protocol or the platform, but the coins are extremely volatile. Everybody, like, is there anyone on the planet who would be surprised if any coin went down relatively quickly 50% in the crypto world? No, but that's why the collateral ratios are way above 2 to 1. What's the collateral... Yeah, what's the collateral ratio, Ren? I'm not sure. I think you're like... 4 to 1. That's 3 to 1 or 41. Yeah, but but then what's the... the, Yeah, I think right now he has 360 million worth for like... But then what's the... What's the the issue, Scott? Like, it's risk-reward. I I don't see... It's not a shitcoin with no liquidity. It's not... uh, The the risk risk is that is exactly this. It's the unknown unknowns in in the real world, I guess we'll call it. Or whatever. When a bank takes a collateralized, over collateralized loan, they don't have to worry about a hack destroying the underlying There's, protocol. So they could, like that, this all works until somebody hacks it exactly as we saw, and then you have to literally go out 
to Justin's son and friends and find a way to not get collateralized and and collapse all of DeFi. Look, full disclosure, Systemic full disclosure. All of DeFi because of a single guy's loan on his own founder tokens is wildly problematic to me. For full disclosure, we, we reached out to them yesterday on Twitter and we started doing a deal with them and then they, stopped, they eventually got to a point where they said, okay, we sold too much, we don't want to sell anymore. So I mean, if we could if we could get our hands onto those tokens at forty cents, I would have taken them in a heartbeat. Who wouldn't? Yeah. Who wouldn't? Like they're getting a massive discount OTC on a token. I don't fault anybody for stepping in. That's that's not my point. My point is that this guy took a quote unquote safe loan because of the perception of the over collateralization on founders tokens. And yes, we can praise him for not selling them on the open market, but he couldn't sell them. There was no. He couldn't sell them. There was no liquidity. Right, but a loan, but a loan that large, in theory, could literally collapse all of DeFi. So it should not be it a could, bail. Hold on, it could collapse all of DeFi. What do you mean collapse all of DeFi? The prices are so 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 much liquidity and so much volume of so many tokens on so many platforms being dumped all at once by the smart contract that has to liquidate that it could literally fundamentally change. Well, yeah. Let me let me maybe maybe let me explain it. Let me just explain it uh, a little bit uh, a little bit different. Um, the the curve tokens would get dumped on the market. As a result of the curve tokens being dumped on the market, probably Ave would have to then realize a bad debt, right? Because remember, Ave hold this this token on a collateral of three to one or whatever it is. But at some point, you know, when you're selling that aggressively and that quickly, um. You make an you'll get into expectation that, that that the protocol would have to take a knock. Now, the protocol has a a pool to fund these kind of knocks. Okay, just so you you understand, but the, the protocol um, uh, 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 has a has a um, uh, pool to fund these kind. Of- it's like the insurance yeah. funds on leverage. Correct. On, on leverage correct. Correct. So they would also take a whole lot of these knocks. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I don't see it to be that big of an issue. I just think it's it's um, uh, it's it's DeFi doing its things, people taking risks, lack of liquidity in the market. Yeah. If there's enough liquidity, this yeah. can't even be an issue. Yeah, Mario, the, I just want to say, like, people forget very quickly that, I mean, I think it was uh, the 2020 drop in Bitcoin, March 12, 2020, that BitMEX, literally because their engine was so aggressively liquidating loans, if they had not had a mysterious down for maintenance when Bitcoin went under 4,000 on BitMEX, even Bitcoin, the most liquid asset we have, would have literally gone to zero if they had allowed those liquidations to continue. Insurance fund be damned. So even on the most highly liquid asset we have, literally on Bitcoin in March of 2020, an exchange and their singular practices put have at least- But those, those same, but the, 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 the plans you have will apply to traditional financial markets. The only difference is there's more, there's enough liquidity there. But then again, if the risk- the only difference is there's somebody to come in and step in and prevent a backstop, which I'm not saying is the the better thing. This is, of course, a well, free market, but I'm saying I'm saying that when the the protocol should not be used in a manner where if the black swan or worst case happens, it collapses the entire market with systemic risk. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I love. I, I'm a proponent of DeFi. I just don't understand how you could now at this point put tens or hundreds of millions of dollars into these loan products in Cook. In good conscience, knowing that there might be some hack that you don't even understand. I mean, cur- Curve should have been effectively ran, Gee. correct me if I'm wrong, one of the least hackable protocols. This should never have happened. They're considered one of the safest. So what, what's the, but what, what would you say is a solution for this? And we'll move on right after this last question. What do you see the solution? Smaller, smaller. So people taking less. So humans, or, not smaller loans. So humans, humans here. Or just take Ethereum. So humans taking less risk in a decentralized financial system. Is that what you're saying? I know that that sounds ridiculous, but I don't think you should be able to take unlimited risk with any asset. Welcome to decentralization. Um, but guys, you I, should I, work. I, at, we should work at the SEC, Scott. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I keep hating. It. I forgot to tell you, I I applied. I applied. I finally. You're the you're the, you're the critical guy. The most critical. Actually, you no, know, Rand beats you. But you're, you're Wait, hold on. Before we get into before we get into before we get into into the 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 the, the order of the day, and I see we've got some big brains here. We've got uh, Ben Khan. Ben, you should check your telegram. I sent you a telegram. I don't know if you if you've looked at your telegram. We've got Don, which uh, very cool account. Jason Pizzino, Gareth. Um, we've got we've got some big speakers. It's a 
What do you guys think of this? Uh, these rumors that the SEC is going to start coming after crypto influencers. Um, wondering, wondering if anybody's heard anything about it and what your thoughts are. It's. Uh, I'll, I'll kick it off. Well, what I think, I think this is great news. I think this is a long time coming. I don't know if Scott agrees with me, but I think this is needed. I think this is where they should have started years ago, and um, because it just pisses me off, it pisses me off significantly. Um, but haven't they started already? Didn't they see? It? Uh, there's been the narrative for a while. Didn't they crack down on a bunch of influences earlier the year? Yeah, I think it's more like I think it's on the back of Richard Hart. But yeah, go ahead, whoever's going to speak. Yeah, so it's it's me, Alex. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, so we basically saw this already, in, not specifically for crypto influencers, but in general influencers that uh, were promoting crypto scams. Um, take for example uh, Kim Kardashian, Logan Paul. Uh, his brother Jake Paul, where where they actually got indicted for, and they tried to get after them. So for now, nothing really came out of. Hold it. on, Logan. And, hold on, Logan. Sorry, bro. Logan and Jake Paul got yeah. indicted. Uh, at least no, no. I am. I, um, I I have for sure read something that that Floyd Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather, Kim Kardashian, DJ Khaled, Paul Pierce, all largely for Ethereum Max. And yeah, 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 exactly. Because just to be clear, it was not because any of these things. Uh, maybe they were scams, but none of them were deemed scams. What they got in trouble for was not disclosing, and specifically not only disclosing they were paid, but the specific amount. Kim Kardashian actually openly disclosed that she was getting paid by Ethereum Max. And then she was charged by the SEC or sued for uh, promoting an unregistered security. Uh, and the reasoning they gave was because she didn't say how much she was. So you need. So hold on. So you're promoting big jump. And yeah. And then Mario, not only that, Ethereum Max has never been actually deemed an unregistered security. Like they never went after Ethereum Max for an unregistered security offering or defined it. Oh, yeah. But Kim Kardashian was made. Right. But Kim Kardashian was made an example of for not sharing how much she was compensated but this is I never I never thought I'd say it, but this does seem like it's a bit too much. Where you had they ask you if, if you want you need to disclose that you've been sponsored, that you've been paid, that makes complete sense. But to disclose exactly how much you've been paid, does anyone think that's a good idea? No, no, no. Makes 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 no sense. I, I would ne- never disclose to somebody how much I get paid. I, I think Rand would do the same. You would you would never go and, and say I I got uh, amount X epsilon paid from. Uh, from Binance, OKX, or whatever, you know, as long as he That's is. why I don't live in the, that's why I don't live in the U.S. Yeah, I think the U.S. is ridiculous. I mean, it's, you know what, this is probably a good time to talk about the U.S. downgrade. I don't think they would just come for the U.S. Uh, influencers, by the way, from what Same, I... Same, yeah. I mean, I, I, I asked a few people, I, I don't think being in the U.S., uh, the SEC views that as protective. The names, and I will not share, but that I've heard thrown out are not uh, generally U.S. Well, why have you heard? What, um, why have you heard? Actually, not tell you i'll tell you privately um but um and and i think a lot of it would be they would be more focused on people that uh launch tokens can you right i think they're great i think i think they're going for an australian and i don't think it's the australian that is on our panel here today who would it be if that gives you no i don't know i don't know who's an australian who's not on our panel i don't know of many australian influences do you scott I, I, there's really no reason to go down this no. path. But let me ask. Let me ask it before. No, before you go to the downgrade, can I ask? I'm. I'm just, it's not Bitboy. It's not Bitboy. Yeah, I never thought it's Bitboy. I never. I didn't. Bitboy didn't he make a video by getting the SEC letter though a few week, a few months ago now. Someone sent me a video, uh, unless I misunderstood, of him uh, uh, attacking the SEC after they sent him a letter. But I could be wrong. Um, but either way, like this is, this is expected. Like, so hold on. If Kim Kardashian. Okay, so if any influencer... Can we move on to... Can we, uh, can we move on Yeah, to, I was enjoying this. Uh, go ahead with the downgrade. Go ahead, go ahead. You know what? I'll, I'll, I want to just segue before we go into our guest. Um, let's talk about this US debt downgrade yesterday. And I like as an outsider to the US, I look at this and I think to myself, this is so obvious. It's so obvious that you're going to get downgraded because the US is like... It's a, it's a shit show. It's a mess. You've got, you've got a huge debt... You've got increasing interest rates. There's no way that they're going to be able to to continue to service that debt. Soon, Japan and China aren't going to want their debt anymore. Um, it's being run like a shit show. Like, honestly, like it's non-commercial. It's too political. Um, you know the whole the whole thing around the the debt ceiling and 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 the shenanigans that that go before the debt ceiling. Like, you know, like this is like for me. Like, I'm surprised this never happened earlier. I'm wondering if anybody else feels the same way. And then I'm also wondering why the markets haven't responded. Like the last time that the U.S. got downgraded, the, the S&P went down uh, 
15%. Yeah, so let's, let's go. Can, can we go to basics? JC, can you tell us more exactly what that means? What does a downgrade mean? When when did it happen last? And um, why has the market been pretty mute? Yeah, and, and I think Ron made a, a bunch of good points. Um, I, I think it's most people I speak to, and I, I talk to a lot of portfolio managers and, and traders and a lot of people on the street. I, I've been doing this for a living every day for mo- more than two decades. I didn't know Fitch still existed. I don't think anybody else did either. I don't think anybody cares. You know, it's like, really? These guys are still around? So, and a lot of what Rand was saying, we know, you know, the shit show, the debt ceiling. And I'm a technician. And, you know, I don't really watch the news. And even I know all these things, right? Like, everybody knows. The rest of the world knows. It's no big deal. So, it's in terms of, like, why the market's not reacting more, is anybody really surprised by it, right? Uh, and, and for me, I'm no expert. Again, I didn't even know these people existed. So, the fact that the market doesn't care... To me, it's not surprising at all, right? Like theoretically, the market well, theoretically the market should care, right? Like in theory, on paper, the fact that it doesn't reiterates a couple of things. Number one, doesn't matter. Number two, the market's got bigger fish to fry, right? The market's interested in more important things, clearly. And I think that the reason that the S and P and the Nasdaq are a little bit under pressure and kind of have been for a couple of weeks and haven't really been able to make much progress is because their biggest leaders of the year you know, running into some former levels of overhead supply where they failed last time they were here. Things like Microsoft, things like the XLK in general, the technology index. So the indexes themselves have overhead supply. It doesn't mean they need to crash. It doesn't mean that the bull market is over. It just means that, it, that these markets need time to digest. So I think what the market is looking at is forward looking, right? The market is a discounting mechanism. There's a reason that the new 52-week lows list peaked 14 months ago, Right. And things have gotten progressively better, not just in the United States, but around the world. Greece is making new five-year highs. European banks are making new 52-week highs. This is a global bull market, not the United States. In fact, the United States is underperforming in this particular cycle, which if you're an American, you might not see it that way. People around the world, it's quite obvious. And if you study bull markets throughout history, the, U- the U.S. underperforms in a lot of them. So... You know, people with their recency bias, how just because in the last bull market, the U.S. dominated because of the amount of tech exposure that it had, the countries around the world, like the U.K., for example, has zero tech exposure. So they weren't able to benefit from from that last bull market in the same way that something like the United States did. So let's keep in mind the composition. So the question is, do we continue to see the rotation that we've already gotten so far in the first month of the back half of the year, which is now behind us? The best performing sectors were energy, materials, right? Financials. These are the best performing. Those were the worst performing sectors in the first half, right? They were the better performing sectors off the initial lows last summer. So the question is, does the rotation continue into some of these different sectors that do not have anywhere near the weightings in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, like something like tech and communications and consumer discretionary, which is what got us here over the last six, seven months, while those other areas underperformed. Look at something like Caterpillar making new all-time highs, the U.S. industrial sector making new all-time highs. The U.S. energy sector represents 4% of the S&P 500. It represents 0% of the NASDAQ. So these energy stocks could double and triple, and their market caps are so little, and the weighting in these indexes is so irrelevant, they're not going to make a dent in the overall markets. So we can very easily, and so far we've already seen that over the last few weeks, be in a scenario where the indexes, particularly the S&P and the NASDAQ, the Dow's got more exposure to some of those, the, the other value areas, but particularly the S&P and the NASDAQ could have a very difficult time going up over the next several months. But underneath the surface, you have monster winners, monster individual stocks. But what about, what about, very well. what about the fact that the dollar is actually stronger after? 100%. Like, I could, 100%. So that's the key. That That's it. You nailed it. You're 100% right. And it's not even that the dollar's been up after the downgrade. The dollar was already rallying before that, FYI. Um, quite some time. So we are now back above 101.5 on the US dollar index, which puts us back above all of that former support. If the, the, the negative correlation between stocks and risk assets in general and the US dollar over the past six, seven years has been very, very strongly negatively correlated, stronger dollar, you have weak stock market. Weaker dollar, stocks are doing very well. The dollar's gotten hit hard over the last several quarters. Stocks are doing great, right? Uh, when did the dollar peak? Dollar peaked at the end of September, right before the fourth quarter started. British pound bottomed on September the 26th. Euro bottomed two days later. Japanese yen and emerging markets bottomed a couple of weeks later. S&P was up 7.5% in the fourth quarter last year. 
Another seven percent in the first quarter. So I still, I still don't understand. I, I still understand. Like, I mean, why, why has the market completely, completely, completely shrugged this off? One theory that I heard is that it's not actually about um, economic activity as much as it is around liquidity. And right now, the dollar and dollar-denominated debt is the most liquid. And for as long as an asset is the most liquid, it's going to get uh, people are going to shrug off everything else. Because what the investor in the U.S. dollar is looking at is just liquidity. What, what, what's your take? What, it's, what's your it's, take? It's on, positioning. On it's positioning is the answer, right? The reason the stocks have done so. Well, I want to hear. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Real quick. It, the reason the stock market has done so well this year is not because the fundamentals are so different or the economy is so much better. Is that investors came into the year very short, very heavy cash, and the unwind of that is what you've seen. We're coming off some of the most pessimistic levels in history. The U.S. dollar has been the only safe haven asset. You talked about liquidity. There's been, for a long time, U.S. Treasury bonds were a safe haven asset. They did worse than stocks last year. Japanese yen was also, because of the yen carry trade, was also safe haven. Nope. Last year, the yen was making new 20-year lows. The only safe haven asset was the U.S. dollar. So a weaker dollar is just okay. evidence of a flight, to, a flight to risk appetite and no need for safe haven assets, which is why the dollars come down. But the fact that the dollars bid up even before this news... If the U.S. dollar index is above 101 and a half, I think stocks in general are going to have a difficult time going up in the same way that they did in the first half of the year. No problem. Uh, Gareth, I see your hands up. Uh, let's go to you. Yeah, so so I, I disagree. I don't think this market's shrugging it off. Now, you're not seeing a crash in the market, but the Nasdaq's down 1.75%. Now, granted, it's been up endlessly this entire year, but for the most part, we are seeing something. And, and the question going back to why the dollar's stronger, the dollar's stronger today simply because if the U.S. is getting downgraded, then everyone else in the world is in even worse shape. Therefore, the flight to safety is in the dollar, right? I mean, that's what we see. We see when, you know, so everyone's looking and saying, wow, the U.S. just got downgraded. What about Japan, who has a uh, debt to GDP of 250%? Why would the U.S. be downgraded first? Not sure how that works. From Oh, I mean... Well, yeah, I mean, that's, only, that's, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, countries around the world with a, with a perfect rating, right? So the U.S. was one of the last ones. Right. Right, exactly. So it's, it's kind of like the worst, the worst house on a, on a bad block or whatever you want to call it, right? But I think, I think when you look at things, right? So you are seeing a reaction in the market and people have to understand is the simplicity of it. Basically what this downgrade is, it, and it's not a huge downgrade, but it's, it's the symbolism that means something, right? That's, that's where it comes down to where, you know, essentially the credit score for countries is measured in this rating system. And, you know, when you drop the credit score, when one of us has a lower credit score, you're going to have to pay more in interest, right? And interest rates go up. So this is another kind of nail in the coffin of saying higher for longer, right? So the lower that goes, the more people say, you know, how can the U.S. be paying a trillion dollars in interest now going forward on a yearly basis? Because that's where we are. $32 trillion in debt. You have you have corporate bonds rolling over something like a trillion dollars in the next six or eight months. I mean, there's massive debt here. So every little downgrade is going to put more pressure on interest rates staying higher or going higher for longer. And you can even see today the 10 year, the 10 years at 4.10%. It's now breaking above a key resistance, right? We hit it back in March. March, by the way, the high was 4.10. That coincided with Silicon Valley Bank failure and all the banking crisis. And now we again are breaking above that. So, so I do think that while we're not in a collapse mode, I do think this is something that could escalate very, very quickly. And I think people have to be on alert. And by the way, with the rate dealing with think about what that does to growth and tech. What, what Gar Garrett was just talking about now, higher rates, that, that's why the NASDAQ is the, the, the index that's underperforming the most today because of the rates, right? Like that's a big deal for right. kind of stocks. Uh, ben, Ben, I want to go to you. Um, you, you, man, you I, I saw you tweeted something earlier about NASDAQ's performance in August um, of, of a pre-election year, or the S&P's um, uh, performance in August of a pre-election year, August, September. You also tweeted something around Bitcoin's performance in August on a pre-arving year. And if I remember correctly, I think you said that it's usually 20% down in the August pre-arving. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. If you include all three pre-having years, if you just include the last two, the average is around ne uh, is negative twelve percent or so. Okay, so the two correlate. If I if I if I get this right, we've got a downgrade. 
you, I think what your chart saying is that the S and P five hundred usually goes down in the August September period uh, of a pre election year, and Bitcoin goes down. Now we haven't been correlated. Bitcoin hasn't been correlated to markets on the way up, um, but I think probably your theory is that Bitcoin will be correlated to traditional markets on the way down, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is this is nothing normal. Like people keep saying, like, why is Bitcoin not following the S and P higher? I mean. Plenty of times the S&P put in new highs. Late 2018, it was putting in new highs. Late 2019, the S&P was putting in new highs. Bitcoin was not putting in new highs during that time. And I think, again, it's more so because crypto is a function of that excess liquidity. I, I just want to quickly say um, what Scott was saying earlier, uh, I, I think people should be paying more attention to because I, I think he absolutely had the nail on the head. Like there is systemic risk, I think, in the DeFi, uh, in the DeFi space. And I, I think that I think that it will lead to to a lot of risk um, in in I mean yes in, in Bitcoin but more so I think it'll hit it'll hit these uh, you know Ethereum it'll hit it'll hit a lot of these DeFi protocols and that that's ultimately what leads to the end of of the altcoin carnage that we've seen over the last several months or last eighteen months. Oh wow! So so hold on, Benjamin, you think there's going to be a, a final leg down that's going to be led by DeFi and that's because there's systemic risks which are not uncommon in any financial market. But there's no third party, there's no government to bail out to, to avoid a complete collapse. And we're going to see that final collapse that will, will kind of be mark the end of the carnage. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. The, the Ethereum Bitcoin valuation is, uh, I mean, if you look at it on a monthly time frame, it, it looks like just a massive distribution phase over the last two years, just like it did last cycle as well. I, I think you'll likely see a huge windfall on the Ether Bitcoin pair from where it is now to that 0.03 to 0.04 range. And and that's that's exactly what I think will mark the end of of the carnage in the altcoin market. I, I don't think I don't think the reckoning reckoning is over in altcoins until the collapse of Ether Bitcoin occurs. Now, I think Ethereum will go on to put in new eyes. Don't get me wrong, but I still think we're at that phase of the cycle. And by the way, on average, from from um, from June to December, the Ether Bitcoin pair is red. I mean, it's just we're we're in a very seasonal time for crypto to not really do that well especially the altcoin market against Bitcoin. And I, I mean, you know, there, I, I keep wondering exactly what is this, what is the event going to be that causes that dominance of Bitcoin to go to 60%? Because that's sort of the, that's what, that's what the models say is, is going to happen. And I mean, I think maybe Scott's onto something. Maybe, maybe, maybe that is the ultimate risk. Because listen, like the altcoin market has been struggling to do anything, right? Like look at total three. It, it, it's struggling to do anything, even on days when Bitcoin goes up three to four percent. So, so what happens if we go into a risk-off environment? Right, we've been in a risk-on environment for the last seven to eight months in crypto, where Bitcoin has generally moved higher and it's kept it's kept these higher-risk assets like these altcoins from really going into price discovery to the downside. I mean, they, yes, some of them have gone down, but I, I think the depression phase is almost here for the altcoin market. Um, so, what, what yeah, the other maybe. So, so, and and with us getting closer to the halving, you don't think like what is there a certain period like in the next three months, let's say, or in the next five months, if you don't see that carnage, you'd be like, all right, cool, maybe we've seen the worst. Like, what do you need to see to be like, okay, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe we've seen the worst already? Yeah, I mean, I guess if 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 time goes by and and we're close, I mean, I, I mean, you also have a lot of other other things going on, right? You have an inverted yield curve. You have so many other metrics that point to bad things are likely going to come before this business cycle is over. Um, Remember, last cycle, I, I know the Bitcoin halving is, is, is getting closer. Last cycle, many altcoins were putting in their final lows only two months before the halving. Oh, wow. You know, you're talking about, you're, you're talking about this time that would correspond to February. So I, I think yeah. if, if we, if we can get through, you know, if we can get to the Bitcoin halving and the, the yield curve uninverts and, and there's no real movement in the unemployment rate, then maybe I would throw in the towel. But I... I think we are approaching the the phase where where we normally see this. By the way, if you look at if you look at Bitcoin seasonality in in Q three of every pre halving year, it, it has found approximately at least a fifty percent correction before the halving. Okay, how, how if Bitcoin if Bitcoin goes down even thirty percent, what happens to what happens to DeFi? Yeah, and very important point that Benjamin Ben is making. A lot of people just sort of academically think, hey, if Bitcoin dominance goes up, it means price is going up. Actually, the worst case scenario, which is more common, is Bitcoin goes down and people flee alts and they go down more. Exactly. Right? So Bitcoin dominance rises 
while the price of so, altcoin, while the price of Bitcoin goes down and you lose both against dollars and so, against. Exactly. So that, that's been the theory all along is that the dominance rally is accompanied from, you know, from 40 to 50 percent, it's accompanied by a Bitcoin rally. But from 50 to 60 percent, it's accompanied by a Bitcoin dump. I mean, look at last cycle. That's exactly what happened. It, it last cycle dominance yeah. 39 to 52 on a Bitcoin and, pump and then 52 to, to 62 on a Bitcoin dump. And Ben, also like in historical past cycles, and I don't believe that things have to repeat exactly, but Bitcoin, after putting in the low pre-having, always visits almost that low and makes, you know, whether it's a higher low or something, but we always do get that correction that puts sort of the scare in people. When, when do we usually get it, Scott? It, it, it ranges from, I mean, the last two, we, yes. we had one in August, uh, Q3 of the pre-having year till, till Q1 of the having year. So I would say we, yeah, now, now we've, entered, we've entered the window over the next like six to seven months where that secondary scare should occur. And that's why, you know, we, we talk about the having and what normally happens is the price the Bitcoin halves. And then we joke about that. Um, and then after the having Bitcoin goes up. Yeah, Mario, historically, you'd be talking about those something like, I mean, it can be ranging sideways and can, can visit the lows or the highs. Obviously, last time we had sort of March 2020 uh, as well, which was different. But we're talking about kind of a big wick maybe that taps 20,000, bumps right back up to 25K, gets that final washout. It doesn't have to be a sustained right, right. thing. And again, it doesn't have to. It would probably it would probably be very brief. But if, if we do go into a risk-off environment where Bitcoin wicks down, that's where that systemic risk-off, like w what does that do to DeFi? And that is, I think that, that's why I was really appreciating what Scott was saying earlier. And I think it's probably worthwhile to, to spend for people to at least think about that outcome. Man, I'm, I'm curious. The Litecoin halving happens now. Like, I mean, Half an hour. No, like, like literally 20 minutes in the stream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm curious if you, if you, if you have a, a if you believe watching the, the Litecoin halving has any um, relevance or impact um, or comparison to the Bitcoin halving. So, so Litecoin, and I, I said this a month ago too, every, every halving for Litecoin, Litecoin tops out in June or July. And then going into the halving, it fades. And then after the halving, it basically either goes sideways or down until, until Bitcoin's post halving year. So 2025. So normally the risk off environment occurs after Litecoin for, for crypto overall, it occurs after Litecoin's halving, but before Bitcoin's halving. I think the reason is because like, you know, when you start, when you go into the, the into the pre-having year, we just get out of a year-long bear market, right? So we get this sort of natural flex back up to the upside, but we're still, you know, it's still almost away from the next Bitcoin halving. There's not really a whole lot to look forward to. And I think just interest sort of wanes over the next six months. And then finally, once we, once we get through the, um, once we get closer to the Bitcoin halving and, and interest rate cut, you know, I think crypto will do well again. But I, I, I think, um, yeah, that, that's more like, but let me, I've got one more question for you, Ben, before going to Dan. Um, what about the two narratives of of finally getting regulatory clarity? Not only you know really the U.S. is lagging, but you know in other countries in Europe, in East Asia, in Australia, we're getting more clarity. Something we've been waiting for for a long time, and we're starting to get it in the U.S. as well. And as well as uh, the herd being here, you know, traditional, you know, BlackRock, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, does that change anything? Because these are two massive bullish signals. Does that change your expectations for the next few months, or could that change if we continue seeing? Improvement if the ETF is approved, for example, or uh, we keep seeing the SEC get blue-eyed? I, I mean, I think a lot of that stuff is bullish long-term, uh, for sure. And I, I think that crypto will make an incredible recovery next year. I, I don't think it's going to make a, a, a change anything in the in the next few months, um, especially with the altcoin market. I mean, there's, there's a higher chance it could affect Bitcoin in a positive way. But I, I still think that crypto... Look, guys, the, the truth about the, the, the cryptoverse is that like 99.9% of the altcoins are, are, are completely useless, right? And so they're, they're, they're only fueled by, by just excess liquidity. Like that, they're, <laughs> that's what they need. They need liquidity. They don't have profit margins. They don't have products they're generally putting out. It's just it, a lot of them are just garbage. And so the only reason they ever go up is because there's excess liquidity. And, and if you look at the, the, you know, the central bank balance sheet uh, worldwide, it's going down. And with the dollar going up, if you denominate all the all the balance sheets in US dollars, liquidity is getting sucked out. So yes, the, the narratives are great. And I, I think I, I think it's long term bullish for crypto. But I, I think there's going to be another event before the halving that really scares people before the bull run uh, to new highs can actually uh, begin. 
Dan, would love you to jump in here. I'm not sure if you're a bit more bullish than Ben, at least in the short term, uh, pre-halving over the next three to six months. And Pizzino as well. Uh, I, I want to hear Pizzino. Pizzino's got some very strong views. Uh, I watch his videos a lot. Oh, I'd, I'd want the more bullish person to speak. So whoever's more bullish, unmute. <laughs> I think Pizzino is the one. I think Pizzino's, uh, he's a little bit more bullish. I'm quite neutral, so not sure if I'm the one. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the first time I've ever heard your voice in all of our uh, communication. Great to very well be, yeah. I did videos <laughs> on YouTube recently, but until then, yeah. So Dan, how, how are awesome. you neutral? Like, do you, do you, in terms of what Ben was saying earlier, that we could see uh, DeFi trigger the final bloodshed for altcoins um, before halving kicks in. And, you know, looking at history, that is, you know, could even be expected. Like, it's not too surprising. Scott said that this is the period. The period is now over the next three to six months. Would you agree? Um, yeah, possibly. I, it feels like the market is really just waiting for some kind of catalyst to really push it somewhere. Because if I, I got the Bitcoin chart in front of me, and you've probably already all seen, um, we're not getting the BART moves we used to get in like 2018. I'm not sure if all of you guys remember. But right now we're just building these, uh, people are calling them Burj Khalifas, like the building in Dubai. Um, so all we see is just shorts getting squeezed. And then from there on, we see a lot of selling. The entire move retraces and we rinse and repeat. So right now it just seems to be like all about liquidity. What yeah. about, um, you tweeted, you tweeted, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, but I think uh, I covered it on my show today, but you tweeted something about the fact that we haven't had volatility for, for a long time. And yeah. usually when you have periods of no volatility for a long time, that usually means that the, the, the corresponding move is usually much more aggressive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I you probably already seen everyone tweeting about something like volatility measure that's at like a yearly lows or even multi-year lows. So usually when we get that, we have the same uh, like at the end of last year. Uh, when we finally break out of this range, then the move that occurs will usually be quite big and usually not one to fade. Um, it, Sadly, it doesn't say anything about direction, of course. But So, Dan, so what, essentially, uh, essentially like, what you're saying, essentially what Ryan referred to, is that you're saying we're waiting for something, some news. Uh, it doesn't have to be a Black Swan event. Yeah. Something to take us somewhere. But whenever, whatever that something is, wherever it take, takes us, it will be very, very aggressive. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's likely because you can just we're imagine not- all these positions that have built up throughout this range, both longs and shorts. So... When there's something that pushes it over the edge, there's so so it could be like a lot. So it could be some major hack that kind of leads to another curve-like event over the next few months, or it could be the mm-hmm. ETF getting approved. But Mario, it could also, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, exactly. I feel like the ETF pushed it up, yeah. and so now people are just holding their breath, waiting to see what happens with the ETF. There's no reason for it to go up more on the ETF news, and there's no reason for it to go down more. In the what? ETF. When is the ETF decision? Yeah. Okay, well, tell I'd be in the next two weeks. Bloomberg, Bloomberg, Eric, Eric and, and James um, from Bloomberg Intelligence are saying there's a 65 percent chance of a Bitcoin approval this year. So this is what they and then that's up from they went up from 50. They were at 50, 50. Yeah, 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 yeah. Around 50 without a without a time frame, without a time. Yeah. What changed? So what? Yeah, they're saying 50, 50, and yeah, they, they said it on the screen. What, what yeah. changed was yeah, what what changed was they cited uh, Gary Gensler losing power at the SEC losing political preference, too much pressure on him. And almost like, if I if I kind of read between the lines, what they're saying is he might just give something to take more kind of thing. And the one thing that yeah. he can give because he doesn't have much control over it is Bitcoin. And, 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 um, yeah. And, uh, and we'll get, we get, the, right. get the ETF. I want to go to Pazino because I, we haven't heard that Australian accent yet. Where, where, hold on, hold on. Where are you from, Pazino? Where are from Australia? Uh, Oh, sick. Lucky you. All right, man, go ahead. No worries. Uh, we're going with the the bullish narrative here. I mean, what I've heard today, I, I agree with a lot of it. And when it comes to what Ben's saying with the altcoins, yeah, I, I'm not bullish on altcoins at all. Like, I still see them heading further down. Why, why Jason? In them to keep them going. Why? Like, why? Oh, yeah, why? Like, if there's more liquidity in the industry as a whole, like, doesn't it? You know, starts off with Bitcoin, then go to to ETH, and then other major top one hundred coins, and then starts bleeding into alts as well. If we start seeing a bull market, no. 
Oh, yeah, if we get a bull market, but I don't think that's going to happen for altcoins at least, you know, another 12, 18 months away. Um, it's it's pretty much just going to flow into Bitcoin as it always does, and the same deal with Ethereum. And, I mean, look, I'm more, more so a pure technician where I, I focus a lot on charts. And when you, when, you, when you check the charts of basically almost every single altcoin against its Bitcoin pair, it's just in a downtrend. And... When Bitcoin moves a little to the downside, the altcoins move more. When Bitcoin moves up a little bit, most of the altcoins don't move up as much. Sure, there'll be the outliers that some of them do move up a little more. But when this uh, bull market comes for altcoins, yeah, the altcoins will move and there'll be bigger gains. But it's probably best to get into the new altcoins, the new hopes and dreams. All the old altcoins, everything from 2021, I think is their, their hopes and dreams have been crushed. You know, the poor bag holders that still have them or uh, dumped them recently are uh, probably still going to be feeling the pain and they won't want to get back into those cryptos. Same sort of thing happened in 2017. So when you look at those altcoins from 2017 in that cycle, I mean, most of the breaking to new lows extends their Bitcoin value. We don't need to go through the names because I don't think anyone's going to remember them. And I think that's going to happen again. Yeah, so can you... Jesse, can we go back just back to 2017, 2018, the, the bear market after that? Um, how did how did alts do? Like when did alts, so they corrected heavily as they did this time. Um, and then how long did it take them to recover in the next bull market? And I know like whatever, 5, 10% of them recover and the rest die out. Uh, but how long did it take for, for the alts, for those gems that we're building through? And I'm talking about the alts, alts, the startups that are building in the ecosystem. How long before money started flowing back into those? And then, and that refers that also includes VC funding. I think from memory, just looking at some of those charts, if I use the broad picture, you know, your total three chart, uh, some of those cryptos basically only had that first pump that was late 2020 into early 2021, and that was it. Like that was the extent of the the pump that they got, and then no one was interested in them anymore. So when we got that second altcoin wave through the, the second half of 2021, those old altcoins were basically flatlining or dead against their BTC values. So they had their initial pump early on. And then when you look at the chart, they had a lower high for that second wave of altcoin season. And so essentially, it's interesting. So what you're saying is that coins that launched in the previous bull market tend to do significantly worse and they might not get that they might get a little pump and that's it it's more pump but generally when the money starts flowing back into those startups it's in startups that launch in this new bear market it's fresh startups in this new bull market sorry fresh startups correct yes correct mostly because of the the narratives that come through and it's not only it just doesn't just happen in crypto it happens in traditional markets as well you know if we've all seen what's happening with ai and that's continued on so if that keeps going, then we're going to see that fuel into this next stage of the bull markets in the stock markets. You know, it's something that we've also covered a lot of that the stock markets have bottomed. They are heading up. There is there is no way they're going back to the cycle low of October. Like this is the start of a new trend, which probably has a couple of years left in it. And so there's always this new narrative that keeps, uh, that'll spur on that next bull market. Hmm. And then just want to ask about one industry that we don't talk a lot about here is NFTs. Does anyone have any thoughts on that? Do you treat them just like alts and that new projects will do well, um, if any, and then existing projects will struggle to do well, similar to what we saw with alts in the last uh, uh, bull market? Yeah, I think so. I don't know a lot about them, but that's typically what I've seen. I mean, this cycle, we saw crypto punks come back, but we didn't see... Uh, was a crypto kitties, you know, that that's pretty much dead. So yeah, it's pretty much the majority of them, if you want to play it safe, the old stuff is not going to have the same sort of pump as the new stuff, but you'll still get a good trading opportunity. Interesting. Okay. Um, uh, AM yeah. Crypto, Chris, do you agree? Um, I, I agree partially. So uh, when, when we talk about uh, altcoins and dollar value, then I think a lot of them, at least out of the good ones out there, they have already bottomed when it comes to um, to the to, to dollar value. Uh, in terms of Bitcoin value, I definitely agree. There is definitely more downside 
um, to be made here before we go go up. We have seen that in previ previous cycles, as also was previously already said, that in Q3, normally we get like this final take out and then we finally go up into the halving. So I definitely agree with that. And I was actually, when, uh, when Bitcoin went down, uh, when was it like two days ago or something, where I had that quick, quick down, I was actually expecting our breaks way lower. And I, I, I think that that pump that we got back up now to 30k feels like um, like a dead hand bounce to me. So I, I don't see Bitcoin now in the immediate short term rallying to over $32,000. And even if it would do that and would break that resistance, it would be for me just a, a, just a bull trap. But we then see actually a half rejection back down. Then maybe something to like 25, 26k. But um, I, I cannot remember who said this now earlier. Uh, with the 20k level, um, I don't believe that we will see 20, 20k in the next coming months again. I think 24, 25, there is the line in the sand and that we will not go any lower than that. And do you have any thoughts on uh, VC funding? When do, you start, when do you think we'll start seeing liquidity get back into the VC funding? So I, I actually see already now a lot of VCs getting more active uh, in the space right now again, where they are ending out... Um, private rounds and, and seed rounds. So here and there, they are popping already up. But f uh, for my personal risk appetite, it's still too, too early. So I, I want to see that final takeout lag that we normally get in Q3 before I even start looking at new projects. Cool. And Alex, uh, last question I have for you, man, is uh, an, an NFT ecosystem. Do you, would you just treat them just like alts? Do you think we'll see interest there again? I think with... Um, uh, with Bitcoin rising back to the upside and Ethereum going in tandem, we're definitely going to see another run in NFTs. But NFTs, I don't know enough about NFTs uh, in the last cycle. Uh, that, that is for me just a massive, massive casino because um, I, I don't understand on, on what basis which NFT is going up in value and which not. And we also saw a lot of articles um, in, in, the, in the previous NFT hype uh, where it basically was senseless wash trading. And, uh, and money laundering with, with NFTs. No, but we saw the same thing with alts as well in the last bull market, in the, the one before in 2017. And I'm sure in the last one as well. Um, I, yeah, I do want to... Fair point, fair point. Yeah, I do want to just quickly, before going to um, uh, to go to, to Smiley as well and uh, David to get their thoughts, I just want to remind the audience, there is a show called Killer Whales. And I've got to shout them out in the last few shows. And that's a, it's like a Shark Tank-like show. Me and Ran were there, we flew to LA. After, if anyone remembers my Russia, the mutiny space that I did, right after that one, hours after that one, almost missed my flight, I flew out to LA to film with Ran and Anthony Scaramucci was there and a few others. Um, a Shark Tank-like show for crypto, like a real show, not like some random people with cameras. You know, they have a whole production. They've got the, they did it in where Batman was filmed. It was a really cool show. And I think it's coming out later this year or next year. Um, not sure exactly where, but if you want to check it out, again, it's really entertaining. Uh, Killer Whales TV. Killer Whales TV is on Twitter. Highly recommend you check them out. And this is me shouting them out just because I like them. And I think Ryan would agree. Hey, Mario, can I ask you a question? And guys, good news. You should definitely check. Scott is right. not there as well. So if, if you yeah. find anyone watch, watch me and Ryan speak with us. <laughs> yeah. I actually have a question, though, with how fast crypto moves that's coming out like, you know, end of this year, beginning of next year. Do those projects have to wait uh to launch until the show? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to actually talk about them. I wanted to talk about one of the projects. Um, there's, My bad. No, all good, all good. I actually was, was pretty keen because one of the projects is one I can't wait to talk about. Such a, it's not even, a, it's actually a physical product um, that you would probably buy. Um, that's crypto focus. Well, the water. Bro, yeah, we're not going to talk about it. And so, no, I mean, we're not going to mention. Yeah. We're not going to mention names, but it, it is. It is, man. Yeah, they. they I, I was just thinking about it, and someone reached out to me from there as well. Like I think a few days ago, I missed the message. I just spotted it. I think yesterday or two days ago. Um, but yeah, man, like this is such a, a it's such a cool product. It, is it a tokenized laptop? <laughs> no, it's not a tokenized slap shop. Yeah. It's a very. It's a, Did you you gave it a you gave it a thumbs up, didn't you? Oh, we can't. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about that, but yeah, it's a, it's a really cool show. A really cool uh, product. But uh, and Ran, you want to talk about Bybit as well and the eight million dollars in prizes in brief. Let me let me just kind of do it in a, in a very brief overview and mention the key points, and then Ran can un add on to it. Uh, Bybit is giving away eight million dollars um, for a trading competition. So we've got a team, we've got a, a roundtable team that's been acquired by Crypto Banter. And if you want to join it and be part of the prizes, check the pinned tweets. If you can scroll through them, there's three there. 
and it's the third one uh, by Crypto Town Hall. Uh, you can go there and there's a link. So if you want to be part of the competition, there's a lot of money being given away. Highly recommend you check it out. So everyone in the audience, go to your phone, go up, scroll up and check that. And if you want to come on the show as a sponsor, I think we've got sponsors starting again tomorrow. Oh no, we got Bybit tomorrow. Next week, we've got a couple of new ones. Um, but yeah, if you want to come on as a sponsor or we're doing our own Shark Tank show and we've been talking about this for a really, really long time and we've got a call about it today. If you want to come on our Shark Tank show, it's me, Ryan, Scott and, and Anthony. As Karen Ritchie, we you can hit us up, and that's obviously for projects, and you could uh, apply. But Ryan, anything to add for Bybit? Cool, great pitch, bro. Um, I'll go to Smiley and David. Smiley, I'd, I'd love to give you the mic unless Ryan wants to add for for anything else for Bybit. Oh, great, great. Smiley, how are you? Cool, just like Rand. Smiley and Rand are really very talkative. No, I'm joking. Go ahead, man. Yeah, we want to get your quick. No, no, no. Oh, I'm just messing with you, man. Uh, Get your thoughts, man. I know you've heard heard the thoughts of various uh, other panelists. Um, We'd like to get your thoughts on what we can expect over the next uh, three to six months. Just for anyone that's listening, whether someone's an investor who's a project trying to raise money, trying to survive, trying to decide whether to be conservative or not, um, or obviously for traders. Okay, so well, what I've heard for the for the past thirty minutes, I have to agree with most points when it comes to like altcoin and BTC performance. But let me just go through all of the points individually. So the last point, why doesn't everyone does anyone have any does anyone have a bullish thing to say about altcoins? It's like the cool thing now is to shit on altcoins. I need a speaker to come up next time to be be positive about altcoins. But go ahead, smart. What's the what? Why? What? I mean, I mean, it's part of the cycle. It's part of the cycle where altcoins are just not doing good because of the it's not enough liquidity. The altcoins usually do good when there's a wealth effect from Bitcoin, and wealth effect is created by Bitcoin going into new all-time highs. You know, the euphoria, the last time when we broke twenty thousand dollars, thirty, forty, fifty. That's when the wealth effect is created. That's when people start degening into altcoins. But before that, it's really not much. It's only maybe select few altcoins that you see around, maybe AI sector whatever LSD sector, et cetera. But, it, but that's that's just a handful of altcoins. 99% of them are not going to perform, in my opinion, for the next one year or so. Uh, I don't think it's a price-based capitulation. I think we saw that already for the entirety of 2022. I think it's a time-based capitulation ahead of us. And I have a similar approach to towards NFTs, but I'm a bit more bullish on NFTs when it comes to like long term. Oh, long term. Okay. But more than, are you yeah, more long-term. bullish on NFTs and altcoins? Uh, yes, actually, that's kind of unpopular. Which, thing. Uh, no, I don't uh, think it's unpopular. Which NFTs is very broad? I think it's unpopular. No, hold on. Let's, 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 uh, hold on, hold on. Let's see what, what NFTs. So you're referring to the PFPs or just general digital ownership like gaming assets or whatever? I have two, I have two different answers to that. First is the digital ownership one. I think that's kind of underlooked. Is that the way agree, yeah. people don't look at it enough? Yeah, it's kind of an underlooked aspect of the crypto, and I, I think it's a it's a, it's a catalyst maybe for a next bull run or bull run in the future, where digital ownership AI is going to be really important, like uh, people selling music, video games, whatever. You know, I think that is one big part, but we still don't have those products, so it's really nothing I can really say. Hey, this is going to do good. This is going to do good, but it's something to keep an eye on uh, for the future, where like ownership and digitalization comes AI. Video games, music, etc. Products, online products, clothes, whatever it is. Try I don't want know. I think I think that's a. I, think I want to skates. Go ahead. Let me no, <laughs> just tweeted. CZ just tweeted. Let's say the same. Yep. Yeah. CZ just tweeted four, which usually means that there's fight incoming. So I think what we should be on alert for now is something coming out, um, which is very negative against Binance, and I think he's preempting it by tweeting that. How is Moy going to just break that thing? Why have we? Okay, so so number one, now I know that you both talk CZ. Number two, my question to you guys is: is um, what have we seen already? What's left? Like, what are we anticipating? I can't keep up anymore. Do you know? We've seen the DOJ. Well, DOJ is the thing that everybody's been conjecturing. Yeah, but have we seen? Have we seen DOJ? He wouldn't have tweeted four before D. I mean, DOJ is not four. You know, when the DOJ come, uh, when the DOJ come after you, it's not four. Why isn't it four? Because you never win. No, because four <laughs> because four is usually stuff that he believes is non-factual, and uh, doesn't he doesn't he create four after every single bit of fud or no? I, I I'm genuinely asking. I don't know. Where yeah, but this is before there's been anything. It's a bit 
unique. Okay. I think we should just be on standby for an article coming out. Some, I mean, usually it's the same media outlets. It's a New York Times or it's a uh, Forbes. So I think we should just keep an eye open for for these narratives. And this is just at forty kilos, and he's just counting. In his what did what did four stand just, for again? Do you, do you remember what it was? It was in his list of things to like keep in mind. And number four was ignore FUD and keep building something to that effect. Ah, uh, cool. All right, well, four it is. Um, and I, I want to go back to to uh, David. Um, David, I would love to get your thoughts. While um, if there's any breaking news, guys, just jump in and. As long as you, you're not ran, you're not allowed to jump in and say, I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> you can't do that. It's not allowed anymore. And David, go ahead. Sure, no problem. Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, I want to give him a shout out. I don't think I've ever done this, and it should be done every day. Mario ran, Scott, uh, always informative, always entertaining, uh, really just incredible stuff, incredible content, good conversations, and good guidance. Um, in terms of altcoins, I'd actually like to go ahead and say, frankly, because sentiment is so bad, and I think I said this a couple of days ago, because sentiment is so bad, I actually, you know, a little bit of a buyer accumulator of some altcoins. Certainly, you know, this may not be the bottom, um, and it may not be, you know, a beautiful, you know, line chart from here, but uh, but I believe that the sentiment. I, I'm generally a contrarian by nature. I think the sentiment is so bad at this point that, frankly, it's worthwhile nibbling away the second thing is you know the, the downgrade of the united states in terms of credit rating to me is very important i was around in 2011 when the u.s was knocked off by s&p from its AAA rating uh 2012 and 2013 were my best trading years ever um obviously circumstances different but who knows uh you know election coming up we may get a republican in the white house who knows uh we could be off to the races once again terms of spending, um, you know, in the right places, letting private sector do things. And so therefore there may very well be euphoria. I wouldn't go ahead and say automatically altcoins are dead for 12 months. Uh, I think 12 months is a very long time, you know, six months maybe. Um, but certainly I think it's a good opportunity here. Yeah. The last thing I'll say regarding, let me just say one Yeah, thing. go ahead. Uh, go, David, you've complimented us. So credit, go ahead. Yeah, the credit downgrade. Um, borrowing money in the United States is going higher. That is very important. That's very important for interest rate sensitive assets and industries such as real estate of all kinds and also highly levered garbage companies in the Russell 2000. Uh, that is where I'm looking for purposes of shorts. Uh, I think those companies are going to come under incredible stress, whether there is an economic slowdown or not. Just the balance sheet difficulties of refinancing and rolling over debt is going to be insurmountable. Okay, so I've got one uh, one question for you, uh, David. I'm not going to ask you the question just because your audio is bad. Despite the compliment, the audio is just too bad to ask you a question. But I appreciate the compliment, um, Ben. I want to ask you a question first. Um, what? Just because you worried me about the whole DeFi narrative and and the final leg of capitulation. Um, so I'm I'm just curious. Does that just really depend on the markets? Like if we start seeing the market pick up, then you know no one's going to get margin called and we should be fine. But then if we see the market continue on the downtrend, that's what will trigger it. So it's just all going to be dependent on the market. The market itself will trigger that final leg of capitulation if it drops again to new lows or near new lows. Is that a fair? Is that, am I right? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. It's more so, you know, do we go into a risk off environment um, which, which, oh, yeah, ben, Mario, I'm not sure if it's just, just you. Go ahead, Ben. Just you. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's more so if we go into a risk off environment, which, which could be underway right now. As I, as I said earlier, this tends to be the season when the SP gets a correction in pre election years. And, um, and it's always been this correction in August, September that has knocked Bitcoin off of its 20 week SMA. And by the way, historically, once Bitcoin falls below the 20 week, Within a few weeks, that's normally when alt Bitcoin pairs finally bottom out. Um, so I don't I, I mean, it, it might not even be that much longer for alt Bitcoin pairs like we, we could be in striking distance. I mean, like a lot of them bottomed out in September of 2019. Um, they went lower on their USD pairs after that. But I, I don't think it's that much further out. But I, I, I think you're right. Like, I, I mean, if, if the S&P doesn't get a, a seasonal correction, an example of that would be 1995 where it did not get a seasonal correction in the pre-election year in August and September, 
then perhaps we avoid it. But if it if it plays out like 80 to 90 percent of the other pre-election years, then I, I, I think um, I think the final flush is coming. Well, I'm going to ask you for a favor. The, the correction. Sorry, I'll just go in there. The correction could also just be a sideways time for the market to digest the moves to the upside as well. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a significant correction. And what we see in bull markets is typically single digit corrections. So if we saw a three or four or five percent from where we are with the S&P, it would still only put us back to the the previous tops that we just broke out of around that 40, so 4,500 points. Yeah, but Jason, I'm not I'm not talking about the S and P. I'm talking about like uh, even a even a five to ten percent correction by the S and P could not crypto into into a downtrend for the rest of the year. That's that's what's happened uh, every every pre having year from now until December. It it doesn't take much. You're right. Like it doesn't have to be a massive drop by the S and P. Even a five to ten percent correction is typically enough to to get that that final flush in crypto to a. Can I? Uh... Yeah. So you're referring specifically to altcoins. Not necessarily Bitcoin as well. Well, I mean, I I think that Bitcoin will likely have a secondary scare before the halving. Um, but I I think the altcoins are going to get hit a lot harder than Bitcoin. But again, like as I said, it 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 can happen quickly with the altcoin market. Like, um, like someone I, I don't know who was talking, but he was saying, you know, it's getting very bearish. Uh, you know, for the for the altcoin market. I mean, it, it's been very bearish for the altcoin market for for eighteen months. I mean, I I mean, the sentiment has, has been pretty awful, and it hasn't stopped prices from putting in new lows. For many of the altcoins but I, I would just say like if you if you just look at the context of history a lot of the altcoins bottom out against bitcoin if they're going to survive right if they're not going to survive they'll just go down forever but for the ones that will survive they tend to bottom out around that q3 q4 time frame of the pre-having year so i don't think the i, I don't think their, their their bitcoin bottoms are that much further away their usd bottoms who knows where they are i mean they could they could still be early next year um, but I, I think just going back to the original question, I, I do think you're right. I think it, it's dependent on if there is a a broader correction in the S and P 500. I don't really think crypto drops uh, if if the S and P doesn't get that seasonal correction necessarily. Um, Benjamin, I'm just going to ask you for a small favor. Um, uh, if we don't know each other well, um, I don't I don't know if we've spoken privately, but I've seen my number. If we if you start if if your worry diminishes or gets worse. Uh, over the next few months, about a DeFi capitulation, just hit me up on WhatsApp. <laughs> I just, I just, that one really worried me. Something never, never even crossed my mind till now. Um, so, so got me a bit worried. But um, otherwise, guys, I know we've got the. Then, Rand, can you hear me? Because I know you can't hear. You couldn't hear Benjamin earlier. All right, you can't hear me either. Um, Scott, uh, we've got. I know we got that number four from um, from CZ. But um, I think we'll just wait to see how major it is. Could just be yeah, just, nothing is just yet to speak. An article, etc. Yeah. If it's something major, you'll see us pop up as always. We'll we'll be up if there's breaking news. Otherwise, we'll be up again tomorrow at same time. And we do have that team meeting, Scott. So we'll probably should jump off and get that done. Anything to add, Scott? No, I think we covered it. I think that was a great breadth of. Uh... I think we should do this. I think we should do this on a weekly basis. I really enjoy those conversations, and I kind of expand them. Today we kept it a bit short, but try to expand it to to what do you think the markets will do, and then start digging into different asset classes within crypto. Um, and we did a bit of it today. You know, Benjamin talked about DeFi and others. Jason as well. Uh, we had Smiley, uh, David, etc. Talk about uh, NFTs. Alex as well. So uh, I think it'd be good to look at the different narratives, AI and um, metaverse, etc. Yeah, I agree. I think my mic's not working i think it was great um a really good conversation and i think you have to have the right panel to do it appropriately to be quite honest because uh, the the market conversations can go in some wild directions so i think uh, this was perfect yeah so tomorrow we'll do hex as well as after tomorrow monday's hex as well so i think we'll do three to four days a week about hex and then the other day or two will be about uh, uh deep analysis of the one minute hex chart all right guys thank you so much we'll see you again tomorrow and uh enjoy your day bye